0: All right, grab your Bibles. Hebrews chapter 11, we're doing a series called Faith Endures and Faith Receives. Kind of the balance part there. We've been doing kind of a verse by verse through Hebrews 11. If you've been with me, I don't have time to review, but last week we talked about Abraham and Sarah. You remember their journey. We had five different life applications. If you've got our app, if you don't have our app, you need to get it. Search the store, Church on the Rock, Texarkana. You can go pick it up. You're driving somewhere and listen to it because it'll build your faith. But we're going to continue this week talking about Abraham. Abraham was mentioned on uh, two portions of Scripture in Hebrews chapter 11, but uh, uh, today we're going to see, I'm going to introduce a word that we've not talked about yet, but we're going to talk about the testing of our faith uh, and how, God, how Abraham responded when his faith was tested And hopefully it'll be an inspiration to you that when something tries to stop you in your belief in God, stop you in doing what God's told you to do, stop you from obeying or or, or from standing for the promises of God, that this will, Abraham's life will inspire you and and, uh, motivate you along a bit. So let's go. We're on part six in the series. And I want to introduce this concept that Abraham's faith was tested. And I need to tell you this too. Our faith will be tested too. Our faith will be tested. Hebrews 11 verse 17 is where we begin. It was by faith. faith, That's the big word. It was by faith that Abraham offered as a sacrifice when God was, that offered Isaac, his son, as a sacrifice when God was. Now, I want you to just think about that just a minute. Now, first of all, obviously, we know the story. God was not literally asking uh, Abraham to kill his son, okay? That was a pagan practice. It was paganism. God was not asking that, but it became for Abraham the ultimate test of his life. Um, uh, Abraham was the promised child. Um, uh, Abraham had another son. His name was Ishmael, and he was nothing but a mistake. I mean, when you try to help God out, we get in trouble but Isaac was the promised child and here God is telling him he's te- he's telling him to sacrifice his child and Abraham's faith in God makes him obey against every piece of logic and emotion in his mind and heart. Let's keep reading. Uh, God was testing him. Abraham, who had received God's promises, and this is so key. Faith is not like Aladdin's lamp where we rub it for a, you know, whatever, brand-new truck or motorcycle or whatever you want, and it comes out the, you know, it just appears. You align faith with the promises of God, the Word of God, what the Holy Spirit is saying to you, and it helps you make that connection. Uh, Even though God had told him, Isaac is going to be the son through whom your descendants will be counted. Now think of the contradiction. God's, God's, God's told me that Isaac is going to have children Isaac is going to have Jacob and Jacob's going to have the 12 tribes of Israel and they're going to populate the planet. Uh, but yet now God's telling me to kill my child. So his mind was certainly in turmoil. But listen to what verse 19 says. Abraham reasoned or a better translation, Abraham believed that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. Now that's a powerful statement. It's like when faith it, when something tests our faith. Can I go one more step up the ladder and believe that God can do more than he's done and is to fulfill the promise that he's given on, on our lives. Well, Abraham's obedience proved his faith was real. Now I want to go back and pause a minute and talk to you about what faith is. The Bible tells us what faith is. Hebrews 11, one faith shows us the reality of what we hope for. It's the evidence of things we can't see. So faith is, is a spiritual fact. Faith is not just something for dumb, uneducated people that don't have understanding of science and, you know, molecular biology and everything else, so we just have faith and belief. Faith is reasonable. Faith is, is, is not always logical, but faith is on par with, uh, with the facts. It is these words that we're talking about here, reality, evidence. In other words, you've not, yet seen, you've not seen Jesus Christ but you believe in Him. You've turned your life to follow Him. You've not, you've not seen a place called heaven. You know, uh, there's not a video series you can watch on heaven, though some have had visions. But yet by faith we believe we're going to heaven when we die. So faith is, is real. Um, faith is proof to convince us that unseen hopes will become reality. If we will believe and act on God's promises. Uh, Faith is how we connect to God. I showed you a little picture last week. Maybe they can put it up uh, of a chain. If you can imagine, if, if God is the top part of the chain and the bottom part is you, notice it's got a link because it's been broken. If you've ever tried to pull out a truck or something or a tractor and the chain broke, and rather than buying a new chain, you got a link. And just rather than jerking the chain, you pulled it, you know, with the right tension. Well, this link between God and us is faith. It's how we relate to God. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 7, we live by what we believe, not by what we can see. And I want to say that again. That was Linnell's prophetic word. We believe by... She probably got it from my note, but... We, 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 honey, it's okay to confess your, I'm just teasing. Um, No, she didn't. She's a godly gal. Um, We live by what we believe, not by what we can see. So now what we're going to do is we're going to go back in time to where this historical account began in the book of Genesis, Genesis 22. Hebrews is kind of condensed it all in two or three verses, but we're going to walk through it step-by-step with Abraham and Isaac, and I'm going to endeavor to give you what I'm calling life applications as we go, things that you can apply to your life. So you didn't just, quote, learn a Bible uh, narrative, but it's something I can apply. And here's the first life application. You remember we're talking about Abraham sacrificing his son. The first life application is this. Keep following the Lord. Keep believing. Keep having faith in Him, even when life doesn't make sense. Don't let anything, a tragedy in your life, and and tragedies have a way of just undermining our faith. How many know that? God is a good God. We pray, God's, you know, He's going to protect us, He's going to provide for us, and we file bankruptcy. What happened? Where was God? Somebody died. Where was God? This strikes at the core of who we are. But faith is like, if you've heard the phrase, you know, uh, 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 just hang on to the rope, you know, if you're about to slip or tie, tie a knot in the rope. Like if you're just hanging by that rope and your hands are sliding off and you're going to slip off into the abyss, if you tie a knot in the rope, it helps you hang on to that thing and maybe you can pull yourself up and even put it between your legs and cross your legs and you can hold on. That knot helps you hold on from sliding through and that's what faith does. So let's go to Genesis 22 now and explore uh, what uh, the writer of Hebrews meant. And again, we're talking about Abraham's ultimate test. If you recall, at 75 years of age, Abraham received a promise that he was going to have a child, and this child would have descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. The only problem is he's 75, his beautiful wife, uh, Sarah, is 65, and and they're barren. They hadn't had any children. So he doesn't have a little boy. He's grooming or mentoring, and he's going to have a baby. Well, he has to wait 25 years for the promise to be fulfilled. And that 25 years was a test for him, and we'll see sometimes he failed it. But let's go to Genesis 22, verse 1. Um, I shared this with someone one time, and they said, well, I don't even believe that's in the Bible. God tested Abraham's faith. Another translation says God tested Abraham. So when he tested Abraham, what was he really testing? He was testing his faith. He was testing how far his trust in God would go. So Abraham, God called in some fashion, and Abraham says, here I am. And here's the shocker. The baby Isaac has been born. So Isaac was born when he's 100. He has enjoyed Isaac. We don't know for how long, but many scholars believe that Isaac was in his late teenage years. So I want you to imagine raising your child. I want you to imagine this baby being born. And I, 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 I'm, I'm guessing a 100-year-old guy can play softball uh, with him. I'm sure he could take him turkey hunting. Uh, you know, he, he, he had great experiences with his son. He loved this boy just like you love your children today. So he has him when he's 100. And now when he's about 16, maybe 17, 18, somewhere in there, God says this. Take your son Your only son. Now, remember, he had Ishmael, but he sent Ishmael away. Isaac was the chosen one. Take your only son whom you love so much. And I want you to think of your child just a minute, your baby, your children, those that you love and cherish deeply. I've got four little grandkids that I would do anything for. You know, uh, most of the time, I'd do anything for my kids, too. No, I'm just teasing. i do anything for them any time because I love them. I cherish them. I cherish my grandchildren. Well, well, Abraham had those feelings for Isaac. Take your son, your only son whom you love so much. Go to the land of Moriah. It's about 50 miles. So it's a long way to think about this. You see, most of the testing of faith happens between our ears. We think about it. Uh, Go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering. Now, what that meant in their day is they would literally take stones and they would build an altar. They'd put wood on it and they would put an animal sacrifice and it was an offering to God. Offerings would make atonement for the sins of the people. It would recognize God and his goodness, but blood was always shed to cover and atone for the sins of the people. So go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. I think we had a little picture here Now, I I want you to just think about that for just a second. Could I do that? But this was the dynamic that God had just spoken to Abraham. And Abraham, I don't know how he said it, uh, but again, I want to emphasize the fact God never intended him to sacrifice his son. That was a pagan practice. It was a test of faith to see if he would obey and do God's will. It was a test of faith. Now, when we talk about a spiritual test, it means that we face a trial or, or something that's difficult, a difficult decision to prove if we really believe and will obey what God says. So a test can come over us. I don't know, let's just say marriage is having some bumps in the road and, 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 and you're mad and, and, and you're thinking about leaving, you know, and, and uh, I mean, she's done the big stupid or whatever. But anyway, you're sitting, you're thinking about it and you're trying to figure out who your lawyer is going to be and the Holy Spirit brings to your mind, husband, love your wife as Christ loved the church. Now, I'm not saying there's not legitimate causes for divorce. They are. Many of us have gone through that. But in most occasions, God will first call us to respond in some way. Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church. For the wife to honor her husband. So, so that, that's tested. When, when the knucklehead comes home, or, or how about if he or she doesn't come home that night? It's really tested, and, and this is what a spiritual test is, but how many know when you went to school, let's just say you're at school, and if you can remember back to the glory days of 7th of or 8th or ninth grade, and you get in class, and as soon as the bell rings and the, kids, the teacher says, be quiet, she says, close your books and get out a pencil. We're going to be tested on chapter 3, and everybody goes. Yeah, but what what does that test do? It reveals what the child knows or doesn't know. And a spiritual test reveals whether your faith is real or not. Some people, for whatever reason, I don't understand this, but some people will make a step to Christ in prayer, but will never follow up in water baptism. I mean, no, water baptism was not just, you know, something they did back then. Jesus was water baptized. I mean, it happened throughout the New Testament. So there's, there's steps that we take, and this is all in response. It's all because of our faith. A test reveals whether our faith is in our head or if it's truly in our heart. Uh, for example, if uh, maybe if you tell a lie, you won't pay, have to pay as many taxes, now I don't mean legitimate deductions but if you if you if you tell a lie you won't have to pay taxes. That's a test. How many know that if you're tested with sexual promiscuity if you're single and you're tested that would be fornication or if you're married that would be adultery or if that you know pops up on your phone that's a spiritual test, and so I want you to see the, the pulls of life. It's not just the will of God that's a, a test, but, but when, when the world tries to pull me away from God, it all tests my faith at a deep core level, and our actions reveal if we really believe. Um, uh, so here's the second life application. Our faith will be tested by trials and difficulties, but how many know our faith is sometimes tested by our own desires? How about, let's say you're working at a job and you hate it, you don't want to be there, but every time you pray about it, the Holy Spirit tells you, no, I've got you there for a reason. What are you going to do? See, this is a test to our faith. Um, Now, this was not the first test Abraham faced. Uh, Abraham made F's for a while. (laughs) <laughs> his wife, Sarai, made an F2 uh, he, he failed prior tests when his faith was not strong And it seems like your faith can grow stronger What was weak faith can become strong faith uh, We see it throughout the pages of Scripture But let me, read, let me read where they failed the test Genesis 16, Sarai, not been able to have children But she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar So Sarai said to Abram, the Lord has prevented me from having children. Well, wouldn't it make sense if God had done something, you should just say, yes, Lord. She knew the Lord's prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. Now that word, perhaps, she's trying to help God out. And how many know when you try to help God out and get ahead of God, it ain't going to work. So she was going to help God. They knew that God had made a promise they'd have a child. She couldn't get pregnant. She couldn't have a baby. And dumb old Abraham, he said, okay. <laughs> well, let me tell you what happened. A guy named Ishmael was born. And Ishmael is, is one of the key figures in the Muslim religion. In the Muslim religion, Ishmael is considered a prophet. Uh, and Ishmael is considered the ancestor to the great prophet Muhammad. And if you look at, why do the Jews and Palestinians or or, or, or in the Arab world, why do they hate each other so much? Well, it goes back to Isaac and Ishmael. So Abraham and Sarah's mistake, they failed that test. It had ramifications that are going on even to this day. But now it doesn't stop there. Genesis 17, the very next chapter, God said to Abraham regarding Sarai, she's 90 now. Or right at ninety eighty nine, she's going to become the mother of many nations. And Abraham bowed to the ground and lifted his head to heavens and says, thank you, Lord. Is that what your Bible says? No. He, he laughed to himself in disbelief. Now, can you imagine God somehow speaking to you directly and says, you're going to have a child? And his logic trumped his faith. So he's failing the test here. You know, here he is. How could I become a father at the age of 100? Very good question. And how many know just because you have faith is not an automatic guarantee that God's going to do what you ask. And this is the awkwardness for many, many times. Many times that we have perhaps prayed or asked God to do something it didn't happen the way we wanted it to happen so our prayer life began to wilt our faith began to wilt my friend I want to encourage you today I want to pour some water on that wilted faith today and let it grow so here's the life application even strong Christians struggle with doubt about God and his word how many know if Abraham struggled it's okay if I'm struggling too <laughs> If, if Sarai struggle, listen, because she believed God. Hebrews records, as we read last week, she believed in the promise of God. So somewhere you make the transition from where your faith is weak and shallow to where your faith becomes strong. And look at verse 3, okay? So, so God has just spoken to him. I want you to go sacrifice your son. So Abraham slept in till lunch. Is that what it says? He got up early. What does that suggest? He's believing God. He got up early. He takes two of his servants along with his son Isaac, and he told the servants, verse 5, stay with the donkey. Uh, The boy and I will travel a little further. Now, I want you to listen to this, because the Bible calls Abraham the father of faith. It's not just for Isaac. It's for the entire world. And listen to what the father of faith had evolved into. Now, he's going to kill his son, but he says this, we will worship there and then we will come right back. Now, think about that. We're going to worship and then we're coming right back. Now, the word worship here is not clapping, it's not lifting your hands, it's not singing. Worship here is defined as to bow down and offer a sacrifice to God. And here's the biggie it's to surrender our desire to God's will. See, worship is not just singing in church. Worship is a lifestyle, an action, a lifestyle of worship when we're following and obeying, uh, o- obeying the Lord. It's a staggering response, instant obedience, unquestioning obedience. But, 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 but here's the question. How in the world are they going to come back if he's just sacrificed his son? Anybody say impossible? And that's exactly how the secular world thinks. It is impossible. The secular world views everything there is having a big circle around it. All the knowledge in the world, all the people, all the universe, all the planets, all of everything, all of the processes, it is a big circle around it. Uh, It it, it came pretty much from nothing, out of nowhere, and nobody's guiding the whole process. In other words, there's nothing outside the box for them. But for the Christian, God is outside the box. And God can do impossible things. Um, and how, why do I... So again, how would they come back? Hebrews 11, our text, here's what it said. Abraham believed that God could raise the dead. He, his faith like took another level. First, Isaac was going to be the father of generations. And, and now it's impossible. So his faith went up a notch. To believe that God would raise the dead. Uh, Ab- all, all Abraham knew in his logical mind. Was God planned the future around Isaac. And God wanted him to sacrifice him. He couldn't reconcile the two in his mind. Listen. But he obeyed anyway. And that's what faith is. Because we live in a world where we have been more influenced by, by, by the, the, well, it's, it's the ancient Greek culture, you know, it's Plato and Aristotle and all those guys. We're more influenced in our thinking uh, 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 as, as logical, as reasonable, as rational, as opposed to the element of faith. And this is what shifted over the last, several, well, I probably last 1,000, 1,500 years, is science so to speak, which is simply man's understanding of what God has done. Science trumps faith, and faith is out the window. Um, Okay, so this next life application, faith has a language. Faith sees events before they happen, and faith speaks before it sees. Now, sometimes you have to whisper it because people will say you're crazy. But didn't Abraham say, we will worship? And we will come right back. Didn't he say that out loud? So faith, how many know faith has a language and doubt has a language? Have you ever, I caught myself doing this uh, 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 just <laughs> just during, at the end of worship. <laughs> Jason and I looked looked at each other and he had looked in his bulletin and, and, and we, we, last, uh, last week, for the month, of, the month of June, we paid off $95,000 in our mortgage. We went below a million. We're at 922. We want to get out of debt so we can do more of these things that we talk about during the offering. But we looked at this week's offering, $128,000. And you know what almost came out of my mouth? I can't believe it. You don't do stuff like that, do you? You go to the doctor, and one doctor says, You know, you have terminal cancer and you're not going to make it. And then you take a trip to MD Anderson and say, Oh, their machine was just not adjusted. You're fine. Well, I can't believe what just happened. Faith has a language, faith speaks. We'll worship and we come back. You think that's an isolated case? Jesus said this. Mark chapter 11, verse 21, uh, Jesus has cursed a fig tree. And now they come back and they say, look, the Lord, this fig tree you cursed has died. Listen to what Jesus said. Jesus, And he, this is the power of words. Jesus said, have faith in God. Whoever says to the mountain, and the mountain is a picture of this impossible, you know, thing that's before you, be taken up and thrown into the sea. In other words... Um, a great huge mountain. Just pick yourself up and jump in the ocean. So it's a it's a, it's, it's a metaphor, obviously. Be, you'll be thrown to the sea, and if he, he does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says. believes, what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Now, again, what we're looking for here's where the problem comes in. You make your confession, you believe for something that was not God's will or something for what was the wrong motivation or not God's timing. It didn't happen. You spoke it. You got embarrassed. It didn't work, so you quit and threw the whole thing away. When you find God's will, and it's not always easy, but when you know God's will and know God's promise, then you have validity. Come on, and it lines up with the word of God. Then you make your stand, and then you begin to speak what you believe. I just don't know how I'm ever going to retire. My social security check is only going to be blank. And I've only saved blank. So I guess, I guess I'm guess i going to have to get a sign and stand out on Richmond Road. Now, look, you got a real problem if your Social Security check's only $1,200 and you've only saved, you know, $10,000. Okay, let's not be naive here. But on the flip side, when you're working towards retirement or anything else, isn't it better to say, you know what, I'm saving as much as I can. I'm doing the best that I can do. I'm working. But yet, Lord, you said if I was a tither, you would open the windows of heaven and pour out such a blessing I couldn't receive it. You said in the book of Psalms that David said he's never seen the righteous forsaken or received begging for bread. Isn't it good to kind of let good godly spiritual words fill the void rather than the negative words? Okay, it's not magic, but it's biblical. Look at verse 6. Abraham places the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders while he carries the fire and the knife. So now we got sacrifice. Uh, We might have a picture of this up here. Yeah, we're walking up the mountain here. Old uh, old Abraham is behind his son. Uh, The boy's got the wood. The rocks are already up there. And he's got some of the coals from the campfire from last night. But guess what's missing? Isaac is fixing to ask. (laughs) Isaac turns to Abraham and said, hey, pops, we've got fire and wood. Where's the sheep for the burnt offering?" And what did Abraham say? God will provide. Don't you think he's looking in every bush? God will provide. So he built an altar. He arranged the wood on it. And then the most incredible thing happened to me in the whole story. He tied his son Isaac and Isaac got on the altar on top of the wood. Isaac probably could have whipped his daddy and he sure could have run away from him. But for some reason... He submitted to his dad. Now, I'm sure that God, I don't know what God told him about the promises or whatever. So they had some theology and promise mixed into this. But this boy was a part of it. And this boy is, if you look in the Old Testament, there's what's called types and shadows. And this boy is a type of what Jesus Christ did. Jesus Christ willingly laid his, his life on the, on the altar of that cross. So uh, what's the fifth application? Faith acts and speaks. Trusting God to do what we can't. He didn't have a lamb, but he trusted that God will provide. Now look at verse 10. Look at verse 10 now. Let me show you the picture again of him holding the knife. Um, it's a little different one this time. I think one was an iPhone and one was an Android. But, but, but he's looking to heaven, obviously, as his source in that one. But this is, this is when God intervenes. God intervenes when he pulls the knife up. God didn't intervene when he was walking up the mountain. God didn't intervene when they just got there. God intervened when he pulled the knife. So there's a life application coming up later, but it says this. God is rarely early, but he's never late. He's always on time. And the time is the test for us. So Abraham picks up the knife to kill his son is the sacrifice. And at that moment, The angel of the Lord called to him from heaven. Abraham, Abraham, don't lay a hand on the boy. Don't hurt him. For now I know that you truly fear God. Why? Obedience. You have not withheld from me, even your son, your only son. So the angel of the Lord appears to be a manifestation of God himself. Because of this this word, uh, me here. And when scripture says, now I know, it doesn't mean that God didn't have foreknowledge. But now the test reveals what's really inside. I mean, if you take home a 30 from your science test, you didn't know much about biology. But if you take home in 98, you know, a lot. the test reveals inside and the upheld knife just before he was about to drop it, it revealed what was going on inside. Now, interesting words here to fear God. It means to reverence him as sovereign, to trust him implicitly and obey him without question. I need more of that. I need a balance between the love of God and the fear of God in my life. Uh, now. Um, let me give you life application six. We show our faith in Jesus is real by the practical way that we live when we love our spouse. See, this is not just some big thing. Like, I don't know what you're going to get a new job and make a million dollars or whatever. or You're going to, you know, build orphanages around the world. It's everyday Christian living. We show our faith that Jesus is real. When we love and honor our spouse, when we tell people about Jesus When's the last time you told somebody that when they die, they're going to go to heaven or hell? How many people are in your life and my life that are going to spend eternity somewhere that I've not spoken to yet? Because I'm afraid of what they'll say or they might reject me, whatever the case is. Well, that's, that's a faith issue. Getting baptized in water when we stop sinning, giving our tithes and offerings. That's a huge one. How in the world could my life be better off if I give God 10% to the work of the Lord and I live off 90? How in the world could my life be better? Well, I don't know what you think about it, but my life is better, and I've been a tither for 40-something years. So, so this is biblical. Um, look at verse 13. I'm going to wrap this up. Abraham looks up, and what did he see? A ram. Don't you think he'd already been looking for the lamb? But God showed up at just the right time. He looks up, he sees a ram caught by its horn in a thicket. Now, come on. How many deer hunters, how many deer hunters in the room? All right. How many of you have seen a big 10-point buck, 12-point buck, entangled up in the woods and couldn't move? Almost anybody. This is not a natural, logical thing that can be explained away. It's tangled up in the thicket. So he takes the ram, sacrifices it as a burnt offering in the place of his son, and he names the place Yahweh-Yirah, uh, Jehovah-Jirah, uh, which means the Lord will provide. The Lord will provide. And here's this lamp of life Faith opens the door to God's supernatural provision. We see this throughout the pages of the Bible. God acts in response to faith. Uh, Moses lays his rod towards the Red Sea and water comes up. The water opens up. Uh, the the, The walls of Jericho fall down when they march around them and shout. A baby was born to a virgin. Her name was Mary. An angel let Peter out of prison and supernaturally opened the doors. And an earthquake shook open the prison doors when Paul was in prison. See, th- this is a supernatural book and su- and supernatural things happen, but listen, faith is our connection. Faith is that link in the chain between us and God. And if you are building your faith on a genuine promise from God, on a genuine word from God, listen, you've got something to hang on to, and you can hang on there. Even if, as we learned last week, some people died in faith not having received the promise. Do you realize that there was in, in Israelites in Egypt for hundreds of years after God had given them the promise of a promised land, and they didn't get to see it, but yet they kept the Jewish faith alive. So it's like sometimes we don't see the result of our faith. Remember I told you last week about the mother, sprayed all her her firstborn son's adult life, who is just as ungodly as they come, and mom's on her deathbed, and she didn't see her son come to Christ yet, but I bet her last prayer is going to be, Lord, save my boy. Her faith has been a bridge for that child's entire life. And sometimes if we don't get it in microwave time, we think that it's, you know, God is not real and faith doesn't work. Well, here we see that it does, and it opens the door for supernatural intervention. I close with verse 15. The angel of the Lord calls again to Abraham from heaven. This is what the Lord says. Because you have obeyed, obeyed me. And what prompted his obedience? Obedience his faith and faith and obedience are are inseparable. Because you've obeyed me, you've not withheld even your son. I swear I will certainly bless your socks off. I will multiply your descendants beyond number like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Now, God promised him that 25 or 30, 35 years earlier, and it's just now happening. And through your descendants, all nations on the earth will be blessed. Do you know if you're a Christian, you're a descendant, a child of Abraham by faith? You have taken hold of the same link in the chain that links you to the cross, just like Abraham took a hold of faith and linked himself to God with his son Isaac. Listen, all because you have obeyed. And I close with this life application. Faithful obedience obedience releases God's blessing. It happened to Abraham, and it can happen to us. Come on, give the Lord a good hand today. He is worthy, worthy of our praise.